Welcome, everybody, in the Movie Guys Verse. This is Jordan here, part of Movie Guys Podcast. We wanted to say thank you so much for downloading this most recent episode. If you don't know what Movie Guys Podcast is, we are a new movie review show that is updated weekly. You can check us out at movieguyspodcast.com and also movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Movie Guys Podcast. And tonight we're talking about Pet Cemetery, the 2019 remake. I don't want to go down this road. How about you, Eric? How are you doing? Better than the girl who got stuck. Now I'm bad at it. I'm, I'm doing all right, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I'm a little overwhelmed um, just because this trailer, I think, was better than the movie. Ed, how about you? I, I clawed my way through it. There we go. We gotta there stop we go. Now. You just just an analogy. Yeah, Ed's gonna bring. Yeah. But I'll, as I'll far as like Stephen King movies go, though, um, because we we seem to be getting more and more now, whether it be Dark Tower or it. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is our third movie in our Stephen King series, and we will end our year. Well, we'll end September with the fourth movie in the Stephen King series with. It chapter two. So that'll be exciting to see. So tonight we're talking about Pet Cemetery, a movie that I hold near and dear to my heart. Uh, Pet Cemetery and I go together like uh, uh, peanut butter and tuna fish. Yeah, sounds Ooh, uh, yeah, wow. Probably wow. about right. Why did they decide to redo this movie now? Is it just, I mean, it's, it's a cash grab, right? No, uh, this movie uh, this movie was greenlit for production in 2006. It was in development hell until 2010 until they had a B, until they had an A-list Hollywood actor signed on to play Judd. That actor that signed on to play Judd was the none and other Mel Gibson. Ooh. All right. Mel G Mel Gibson was signed on to play Judd. Stephen King uh, was going to write the screenplay. Movie became in production in hell. Um you know, Mel Gibson in his trouble, calling a cop sugar tits and all those things, and just everything fell through. Uh, the movie was shelved, and then uh, with the production of It, the studio know the, knew that they had a hit on their hands, and they started filming last August of last year, so a month before It was released, to do this movie. So they were planning on making this over 10 years ago. Just so happens, uh, yeah, strike right after it. I wonder if we're going to get um, more and more, even after we will. The, the, the disaster that it is Dark Tower. Do you know that? Because <laughs> what, what else? We had, a, a, I mean, a bunch of others, it seems. What was another big one? The Fog, right? Wasn't that? Or The Mist? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, the Fog was a movie that came out in the early 2000s. That was a remake. Um, also, uh, The Mist I, was a movie, now a show. Yeah. Um, but if you want to talk about new movies that are coming out, the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep, will be coming out either this year, 2020, starring Jake Gyllenhaal as Little Danny. Interesting. Dr. Sleep, very, Sleep is a very terrible novel, um, so I am not interested in seeing this movie uh, because Danny joins a traveling circus, and it's just not even The Shining. But um, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, so I want to talk about Pet Cemetery 
the history of the actual novel before we get into the uh, to the nuts and bolts of the show here, because um, this is really um, a big movie for me. So Stephen King wrote the original novel back in 1979 uh, because of a real life experience. When you see this movie, even the 1989 movie, this is based off of Stephen King's family, husband, wife, 10 year old daughter, two year old boy. And the reason why he wrote the novel was because his family was on a picnic. His boy was flying a kite. His two-year-old boy ran into the road. Stephen King saw him and tackled him inches before being hit by a semi-truck. That happened in real life. So he decided to write down with pen and paper a what-if scenario if he did not save his son. What would have happened? Where to get, way, way to take inspiration from literally anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was a that was a real story. Uh, Stephen King's wife uh, read the story when he was done with it, and she said, "Do not publish this." <laughs> and he did it anyway because it was so um, it was so traumatic for her. Um, the for uh, for the original movie in 1987, two years before the movie was actually made in '89, um, Paramount wanted to buy the movie rights completely. For $1 million, and Stephen King gave him a counteroffer, and they signed on it. The counteroffer was, you could buy the rights for $1,000, and I get full writing credit on the screenplay. And they agreed. Hmm. Oh, probably a good fair trade then. Uh, yeah. Well, I would have said, I, that's a terrible counteroffer. Stephen King, you need to learn to negotiate. No. Say, a million dollars, but I get to write the screenplay. Done. Now, well, see, ever since The Shining in 1980, Stephen King hates movie studios. He feels that they bastardize his films. He ba they bastardize his work, I would say. Well, so he has have to have. Have you ever seen The Langoliers? Well, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite bad movies of all time. Like, literally, Pac-Man eat time and space. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Great, well, great when you get to imagine it in a book. But when you watch the dude from Green Mile running scared because Pac-Men are eating time and space. I wonder if Stephen King had seen Room 237, that documentary he has. about, about he the, has. the Cooper. Oh, okay. And, and what are thoughts? Because as you're saying that he uh, disliked the original the Kubrick version, and for good reason. I can understand that. But, um, uh, but yeah, why? So I'll make it short and sweet. Um, Stephen King was really excited to do The Shining back in 1980 with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Kubrick is famously calling Stephen King at 3 o'clock in the morning to ask him if he believes in heaven and hell. Creeps out Stephen King and completely bastardize his novel. I have read The I have read the Shining and the movie, the classic, not the, 1990, not the 1997 TV show, but the 1980 classic, is 100% different than the book. There is no Indian burial ground. There is no room 237. There is no uh, dog sucking a guy's dick. There's, there's, Jeez, there's, there's, there's none of this. There's absolutely the none of it. Um, there, is a, there is a great part in the book where all the hedge mages come alive and start attacking people. And uh, one of the big differences in The End of the Shining was instead of a baseball bat, uh, he goes around and kills them with a croquet mallet. And the hotel blows so, up. Scatman Crothers doesn't die either. No. So Stephen King's like, fuck this. I have to have full say. 
And that's where we get Pet Cemetery in 89. Scared living shit on me as a kid. Eric, have you seen the original Pet Cemetery in 1989? Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Right? Scared living shit out of me. I th I think the thing that scared me the most was Zelda. Rachel! Rachel! Oh, God. I don't know what's quick confession time. Quick confession time. I have never watched the original Pet Cemetery all the way through in one sitting. Because of Zelda? No, because I was a child and then it just went past me and then I got to be an adult. And it's just not something I, I never wanted. I always got the pop culture references, but it's just not something I ever wanted to imagine because that was almost fucking too real for me. Seriously. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, not that I live in a town where there's an ancient burial ground that brings people back to life, but we all could. We all could. Um, so, I don't know what's scarier, Zelda or the Ben Neck Lady for me. Those two just fucking creep me out. From uh, I don't know. House of Hill. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. They both creep me out. Okay. Good. So we're going to dive deep here into the Pet Cemetery 2019 remake, but tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. I have prepared my own plot summary for everybody here. I thought this movie definitely needed it, and from here on on, I will be presenting my own plot summary that is my own, not stole from Wikipedia or IMDb or anything else. So you got yourself a Jordan original here, boys. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. I'm... Jordan, normally I'm proud when you can actually string two sentences together. Thank you. So this should be something special. I'm, I'm, I'm thank you. I'm waiting. Took me two days to write this plot summary. So if you are a fan of Pet Cemetery and you don't want to know what happens yet, this is going to be a spoiled fill review <coughs> like we always do. So without further ado, let's get into Pet Cemetery. Lewis Creed has almost everything: his wife Rachel, his two kids Gage and Ellie, and a house cat named Church. But there is one thing Lewis does not have, which is faith. Lewis is a doctor who finally is going to live a simple life. He moved his family from the big city of Boston and moved to a small town in Maine to become a doctor at a local university. Upon moving into their new country home, Ellie notices a gathering of children heading to the pet cemetery. Ellie follows the children as she notices a blockade of vines and bushes. Judd, the old man neighbor stops Ellie before she could go over the debris and warns her that the beyond the vines and bushes, that it is pure evil. After the house cat church is ran over by a semi truck on Halloween, Judd tells Lewis what actually lies beyond the pet cemetery. And what lies beyond the pet cemetery is an old swampland. The ground is sour, and when something is buried there, they come back, but they're more aggressive and hungry and thirsty for bloodlust. The day after Lewis buries church, the cat returns, only with a foul smell and an overall different cat. During Ellie's birthday party, Ellie runs into the street to pick up her long cat when a semi-driver playing on his phone swerves to avoid Ellie, and, but, uh, but unfortunately hits her and the cat. Grease-stricken, the family goes back to Boston, but Lewis stays behind. Lewis drugs Judd with a high cocktail of his own, and Lewis digs up Ellie's body and buries her and beyond the cemetery later that night ellie shows up zombified not remembering much and asking if she's actually dead ellie wants her daddy all to herself and nobody else can have her have him but her so victim transforming her face to resemble his long lost wife his long lost dead wife then rachel and gage returns home to find lewis but ellie focuses on her mother killing her stabbing her in the stomach and knocking out lewis 
Lewis wakes up from the slumber put uh, that that Ellie puts him in, and he puts Gage in the car and tells him to not open the door for anyone but him. Uh, Lewis finds Ellie in the pet cemetery and in the battle to the death. Lewis gets the upper hand, but right before he can finish the job, Rachel returns from being buried beyond the pet cemetery and stabs Lewis through the chest. The movie ends with the three family members and the cat walk into the car where Gage is still waiting. That 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 is that is a that is more than a summary. That is a total synopsis from start to finish. Great yeah, job. That was, uh, that was it, huh? And we're that done. It. That's the movie. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be doing missed, that for now on. So. You missed a few deaths along the way, right? I mean, there's a few college kids that die, right? I mean. Yeah, well, we'll talk the guy, the one, there's the only death really is the kid that gets hit by a car, and uh, and what's his name? The dad brings him, tries to bring him back, and he haunts him throughout the rest of the, the movie. He's like, you know, I'm trying to teach you the right thing. Don't go here. Don't do that. Yeah. But that, so yeah. So the reason why I left him out is because Pascal was not in it. It's Victor Pascal, Eric, and that's what you're thinking of. Ah, uh, yeah. Pa and Pascal was a big part in the original movie, but in this movie, the guy's barely fucking in it. And it wasn't necessary. I even left out Zelda because it wasn't a big plot compared to the basic just overall summary. I mean, there's going to be a lot of unnecessary things in a remake, though. And that's just that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I feel like you're going to be nitpicking a lot more. You set the bar a lot higher with something. And then you put, mm -hmm. um, again, a bar even higher with something like the success of it. But that... Thankfully, uh, was a horrible. Uh, um, the the part two at least was a horrible movie to begin with. So it kind of <laughs> able to yeah. Do that. Um, we'll see how the, <clears throat> it's. Yeah, you're not gonna please everybody, and I feel like they do it no. with a lot of things. Either even if you do it like frame for frame, like they did with um, the Omen, Julia Stiles. Oh, yeah. They basically yeah. just yeah. reshot that movie frame for frame, and it it they, even that didn't work. Yeah, they did for Psycho as well. Um, so Pet Cemetery opens up with the ending of the film, bloody doors, house on fire. You don't know what's going on. And then it cuts to the Creed family moving to their country home. So uh, Lewis is uh, works the skeleton shift, he says, at a local hospital in Boston. He gets a promotion to work at a local university hospital. So he uproots and moves his family here so he can be a nine-to-fiver and be a family man on the weekends. And right off the bat, as soon as we establish that character development in the car and they arrive, they don't even walk into the house yet. And behind the house is a parade of children wearing uh, animal masks, cats, dogs, whatever, yep. Yep. Holding, uh, holding a dead dog, banging on a drum. Really? Yep. First Which, safety, right? Good, the, the good yeah. part of a, the good sign of a, of a, of a happy home. Which I have a theory, Jordan. I'd like you to talk about. Are those zombie babies? I mean, no, they are not. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm they, they, sure. Okay, I, 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 would like to hear why you, why you say that. Because in the book and in the original movie, this movie they did not do it. But everybody knows who lives in this town that there is a place beyond the pet cemetery. So you want to ask me this? Let's go ahead and go to the backstory now. This place, this movie says it, and the book says it. This, this, these woods are haunted by the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. That's why. So when you are buried beyond the pet cemetery, 
the Wendigo possesses you, whether you're a cat, a dog, it even possesses a bull or a human. It doesn't possess a goldfish or a squirrel. And it be, and it does you do its bidding as a resombified corpse. So in 1946 was the was the first time that they resurrected a kid who died in World War II. Parents were grief stricken. They buried him beyond the pet cemetery. Came back, became murderous, and the father shot his son and shot himself. So now that's in the book and. That's in the original film. Now, that was not mentioned in this movie. So to answer your question, Ed, let's assume that that is canon. So there has not been a resurrection of anybody in this town since 1946. Okay. Those kids just wore mat. Now, that's creepy, right, Eric? You move into a house. You're with your family. All of a sudden, there's these eight kids walking behind your house, banging on a drum, wearing cat masks, holding a dead dog to get ready to bury it behind oh, yeah. your house. But, like, like, what the fuck? I, I'm also assuming this is the other the fucked up thing too, is that just because of, of this being uh, the world of Stephen King, that all of these are within the same world. So I feel like this is the same world as of it of what it's going on. Everything's yeah, happening in the same Stephen King verse, and uh, right. yeah, that's creepy as shit. But just another normal day. In, yeah. In the Stephen King verse. By the way, um, uh, I am reading through. Did anybody hear the uh, the Cujo reference? No, I missed it. During, um, is it Ely's birthday scene? Uh, Ellie's? Ellie's, I mean, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, right after this scene, happy birthday, you can hear Judd talking about the St. Bernard that went on a rampage. That was his St. Bernard. Because of its rabies. Yeah. Well, he does talk about he had a dog that they brought back that th his dad had to put down. Yeah. Yeah, they talked about that, yeah. I, I didn't know that was a Cujo reference, but because that's in the book. So I figured that was just anyway. Um, so Ellie, being the 10-year-old girl, uh, decides not to move into her house and say, this is my room, and start jumping on the bed. She decides to follow these kids who are never on mass to the back of the house, to the pet cemetery, where she meets Judd, played by who, Ed? Uh, the, one of the greatest actors of all time, John, third rock from the sun, Lithgow. He is great in this movie. I love him. If I had to choose between him and Herman Munster again, it would be John motherfucking Lifgow. This guy is Judd. This well, here, great. Here, you know, I, I've said this before when we were talking earlier. Like, I think this movie was kind of below John Lifgow, honestly. Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, I mean, John Lifgow is a classically trained actor. He is incredible in everything he does. And he does, and he doesn't ever mail anything in. He really doesn't, and he doesn't hear. But you know, I, I kind of like Herman Munster doing it because of the southern accent. Just gives it a little bit more of a draw. Northern, <laughs> northern accent. Well, I'm just that saying is, he he's you don't go down that road. You don't you don't want to do that. That accent, that. that accent is straight from Maine. That's why he did it because the oh, really? that yeah, that, that, kind of long yeah. Well, I knew it was in the south, but I I, I keep no, thinking of, I keep thinking Maine. of him from uh, that's what I meant. I keep thinking of him from my cousin Vinny. There you uh, go. To what? Mister Mister Gallo. <laughs> to what? So, uh, Lewis uh, Lewis's first day on the job gets introduced to 
this college student who got hit by a car, Pascal, Victor Pascal. Now, the original film was gory. This scene was gory as well because in the original film, when uh, Victor Pascal arrived at the hospital, the university, he was already dead. This guy was still alive, and the nurses said, I can see his brain, and his brain was pulsating out of his head and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was yeah, fucking, it was, it was, it was great. great. It was, it was great. great. And Pascal even grabs him and says something to him, and then they call him dead. Uh, but while he's washing his hands, Lewis hears something, and behind him is Pascal sitting up straight and says, you try to help me, so I'm going to help you. And then he vanishes. Right? So, middle. yeah. So, later in the film, Church, their cat, who was played by seven different cats, uh, gets hit. How do you know that? I've done my research. You, you, uh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I think we used to get drunk and just talk about movies. You fucking researched it. Holy shit. Pet Cemetery is a big fucking deal to me, sir. So apparently. Um anyway, so we get uh Judd lets Lewis know that um Church has been killed and he doesn't know how to break it to Ellie. Ellie doesn't understand or know death yet. And this is when Judd says, Come with me tonight. We're gonna bury the cat. They go to the pet cemetery, and Judd is like, No, 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 we're gonna go beyond. And they go through the swampland. And while they're going through the swampland, the Blair Witch is there. You know, trees are being knocked over, wind is bleeding, like, whoo, you know, wind everywhere. Howling, you don't, yeah. yeah, howling. You don't see anything, it's all hearing. And that is when that, that's uh, Judd, the loons right there. That's the loons, right. <laughs> And that's when he talks about the Wendigo and how you get all these markings and craving, uh, carvings on the trees that the Micmac, the Indian Micmac tribe, uh, used to live in this area. And they became a cannibalistic uh, tribe because they were stalked by the uh, Wendigo. And ironically, they were Irishmen who went on to make hamburgers. It, okay. So, Played Paddywhack, gave themselves, uh, gave themselves a bone. There we go. So, uh, little, uh, so fill the quota, I think, with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Lewis buries the cat, and um, later that night, the cat shows back up, smelling terrible, and still has the wound. Right um, now, we get introduced to the backstory of Rachel, who is amazing in this film, and she tells us the backstory of Zelda, her sister with a terrible spinal disease. Now, you both have seen... Well, Ed, you didn't see it, but Eric, you've seen the original. You remembered how that played out, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so first of all, Zelda in the original is played by a man. In this movie, he's played by a female. Now, this is where it's different. I'm, I'm looking okay. up all the... I'm trying to look up names and details for you here. Anything yeah. About, uh, Amy Simetz, uh, is that uh, who plays... She plays uh, Zelda. Rachel? She plays Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Movie. She plays Rachel, yes. Yeah. And then um, Alyssa Brooke Levine plays uh, Zelda in this one. Oh, wow. So this is how this is creepy, okay? I want the fans to really walk with me here. Ed, what does WWE stand for? Walk with Elias. There we go. So I want you to walk with me here, and I'm going to paint this picture for you. In the I'm not. In the original film... Eric, since you know Zelda pretty much from memory here, you know that she just kind of screams Rachel and you don't really get much. 
Yeah, and you this much just just get the, yeah. the old the old timey kind of eighties actor esque and it's like okay, picture oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. almost coming acting. Yeah. In this movie, Rachel's parents leave to go shopping for the day and leave her alone. She hears her name being called out, Rachel, Rachel, right? She opens the bedroom door and you don't see Zelda. She's gone. And for, right? She's gone for two days. Rachel is trying to sleep. Everybody's trying to search for Zelda and, and Rachel is sleeping in her bed and she's hearing crawling and scratching in the walls of her bedroom. And she keeps on hearing Rachel, Rachel on the third day in the house. They had one of those old school home alone, uh, laundry shoots, uh, right? From dumb the second waiter, dumb waiter. dumb waiter. And she hears a noise in the dumb waiter. She opens up the dumb waiter. She sees nothing. And out of nowhere, Zelda falls with her legs over her head, spine ripped out, just looking like the chick from the ring, dude. Just fucking oh, oh god! Jesus, oh, it's a chill, right? Like oh god, that's her. Oh, dude, her lying awake in bed for two days, hearing the scratches and claws in the walls of the house, and hearing her name. Oh, Jesus Christ! Stuff, man. Like it, it, there's a lot of. That's what this movie was. It was a lot of twists, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it really was. And um, yeah, that's that's what you have to do. That's that's traumatic, isn't it? Right. So after the Zelda scene, the director is not going to give us something to ease into. They're going to fuck us again. Uh, Lewis is pissed off that uh, Church is the way he is, so he's going to kill him. Unfortunately, he cannot give himself to kill him, so he dumps him off in the woods, out out on this out, out in the woods somewhere, and it's Ellie's birthday party. And she goes out to the street to get a balloon. I, I forget. They're, play, they're playing hide and seek. They're playing hide and seek. Her mom and her are playing hide and seek. And she walks out to the road. And who's walking to her but church? So she runs out to the road to get church. And when she turns behind her, here comes a fucking semi truck. He looks up from playing with his cell phone. He swerves not to hit her. And the truck himself doesn't hit her. But the oil on the back of it, the oil tank on the back of it, smashes the shit out of her. Just oh, wrecks yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God damn. And oof. so they bury um, so they bury Ellie. So that's a twist because in the book, in the original movie, Gage died. The two-year-old son died. But in this movie, they want Ellie to die. So they bury Ellie, and like I said in the plot summary, uh, the family all goes back to Boston to her parents' house while Lewis stays there. And him and Judd have a drink, and he uh, puts a nice little doctor cocktail in uh, Judd's whiskey there, knocks him straight out. Essence Goes of nightshade. To, right? Goes out to uh, the cemetery to dig up his dead daughter and buries her beyond the pet cemetery. Right? Later that night, he finds her in the basement. Hi, Daddy. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, That's super creepy. Right? Super creepy. Her face is pale. She has blue veins all throughout her face, and she goes, am I dead? And he takes her upstairs, and he gives her a bath. Now, this is creepy, too. Oh. He's, 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 he's combing her hair, right? 
combing her fucking hair and he hears something and he and he splits her hair back and he can see the staples to keep her fucking brain in for when she got smashed by the tanker when they when they autopsied her and they opened her up oh, and checked her, yeah, it was that oh that's one of the oh. that was the first that was really the first moment for me that this movie became hard to watch Oh. Not because it wasn't good, not because I wasn't scared and creeped out, because it, I was. But that moment was, like, too fucking real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was too real. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? I mean, he's just combing her hair, and he's like, what's that noise? And he pulls her hair apart, and you got 20 staples going all the way back of her skull. It's, it's the reason oh. why that, something like that marks so well is just because it's a very um, – uh, casual detail that everyone kind of can can yes. you know, relate to you know and, yes. and so there's something as simple oh god the, and, yeah you know, also the as the asmr the, the sound of it you know the, yeah yeah because it sounds yep. a certain way and it Everything. did too it caught it. it it you could hear it clicking and you're and he's like, like oh, metal yeah and and she's like what's what's wrong daddy and he says nothing you just got a, a tangle in your hair then he opens it up, and it's like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, uh. Now, 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 this is the creepiest part in this scene for me. Not only is it creepy that he digs up his dead daughter and buries her. Not only is it creepy that he's bathing his 10-year-old daughter. That's weird. I mean, that is what that is. Yeah, but it's weird. And not only is it creepy that he sees that she has staples in the back of her head to keep her brain in. But he puts a nightgown on her, lays her in bed, and he says good night. And she goes, "Would you sleep with me tonight, Daddy?" I'm like, "No, no, don't do that." Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna strangle you. Oh, <laughs> oh God! With the the even the like the the conversation that they have is like it, it's it's all it's too like this movie. It's not realistic, but it's like you can watch. You're listening to, and you're like, "That's that definitely is a dad who crossed the line," and and he's like, he. When I say crossed the line, I mean he obviously brought his daughter back from from, from death, and he's like, he never thought he'd get to see her again. So the conversation they have is like, you know, no, you're not dead. No, I promise you're not dead. No, no, mommy doesn't know you're dead. Wait, you're not dead. And he goes, well, wait a minute. What did you see? And she says, nothing. It's just black. There's nothing. Yeah, she said she saw a church in the road. She picked him up, and mm -hmm. then it just went to darkness. Now, Eric, I don't know if you remember this in the beginning of the movie or not, but this is why this is a big deal. And in my plot summary, I said he has everything but faith because he is the only one in the family that does not have faith. Uh, Rachel, when church dies, is trying to explain to Ellie what death is and God and Jesus and all that stuff. And then he, and then and then he interrupts Rachel and says, "Well, no, 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 no. There's no such thing as heaven and hell. Let's not tell this to her." They have this argument in front of her. Mm -hmm. So when she says, "Am I dead? Did I go to heaven?" He's just like, "Uh, uh." <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, what do you? Ugh. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, how do you have that conversation with somebody who yeah, doesn't have the concept? Hard to backtrack with somebody who's kind of been there, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I did lie. I said there was a few creepy things. I got the last creepy thing with this fucking girl. He wakes up in the morning. She's out of bed. He hears ballet music. 
He goes downstairs. She put on her funeral dress that she was buried in, and she is dancing ballet in the middle of the living room floor. <laughs> He's like, why did you put that one back on? And then she starts destroying pictures and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. So we find out that Judd's wife died. Uh, they did not explain why. In the book, you find out that she had cancer in the beginning and she hung herself. But in the movie, they didn't do that. And uh, she tells Lewis, her daddy, that she only wants him for herself. So her first victim is Judd, which is a great fucking CG scene where Judd goes home. He knows that she's been resurrected. He locks all the doors. He grabs his, his fucking pistol and um, he finds her. She's wearing the cat mask and she takes off the cat mask and her face is his dead wife. <laughs> the, the, you, you skipped the part where she takes a scalpel from her dad being a doctor yep. and slices his Achilles from yeah. behind. Yeah, that's the hard one to watch. That, the, yeah, and it's legit. Like You can see that like they did a great job on it. You, you watch her cut in, through, in behind the Achilles, snap it off, and you watch that just snap up. Yeah. And you're Almost, like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's, it's too anatomically correct. <laughs> so uh so she kills him and then rachel and gage finally come back and then the mom gets it bad yeah. uh lewis lewis is is trying to save the day he's locked out um he goes to judd's house because he's trying to save judd he comes back and this is where he finds ellie has stabbed her mother in the stomach and her mother just just is telling Ellie straight up. Uh, Ellie's like, it's okay, mommy. We'll be together soon. And she says, you're not my daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow. You know, what a what a thing to say. A lot of emotion. And, right? Lewis finally breaks into the room, and Rachel is dying on the floor, and she says, whatever you do, don't bury me in the pet cemetery. And then, boom, he gets knocked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he wakes up, he puts Gage in the car and says, don't open it for anybody. He goes into the pet cemetery and he finds Ellie and they have a big fucking battle. He gets ready to kill her and then he gets stabbed with a fucking pole through the chest. Oh. Mm -hmm. And he's dying with, and the mother stabbed him. So then they drag his body, bury him beyond the cemetery, and then the scene cuts back to the beginning of the film, like we said, with Judd's house on fire and Gage in the car, and then the three come back. Oof. Different ending than the original, right, Eric? Completely different. So here's the thing about that, is that um, because this is going to allude, obviously, to a spread of, of Wendigos going throughout uh, um, the area, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And because I said before about the, uh, the Stephen King U-verse or whatever, with it being possible Cujo's. I'm reading here now, too, there's a picture of when they were driving back when um, uh, 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 Rachel and uh, Ellie, Ellie uh, were driving back to Ludlow. Um, that's a dairy 20 miles away. Oh. So oh. I'm thinking we go above and beyond this ending and we get a Freddy versus Jason type of thing, Pennywise versus Wendigo. Nice. Oh. So nice. Something new here. <laughs> we need to. We need to do a. We need to do a mini series for TV. Oh wait, they did that and it failed. 
Yeah. Did they for Pet Cemetery? No, yeah. it was it was Castle Castle Rock. Was it? Oh, okay. the name yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that failed. So, well, it's always Pet Cemetery too. Yeah, starring Edward Furlong. Yeah, do you think that was the problem right there? Because what did you know? Either way, no. I, yeah, that was no, uh, the nineties, right? And then that was that was that was nineteen ninety two. Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. This was after Terminator two. And Pet Cemetery 2 was just not at all what the source material was. It was just, ugh. So, Eric, because I want to ask you the same question before we get the popcorn rating. So, the ending of the book is Lewis buries Rachel. He yeah. sits outside in his rocking chair. He plays cards to himself, like solitaire or something. And then all of a sudden, this cold, muddy hand taps him on the shoulder and says, Darlene, and a book. In the original movie, he's in the kitchen waiting. She walks in. Her corpse does. Says, darling, kisses him, grabs a butcher knife, cuts to black. In this movie, the whole family gets murdered and gets resurrected. Eric, which ending do you like more? And Adam asked you the same question after Eric. Um tough one because all three endings have have a certain uh, uh, kind of road and significance that they go down. I guess the first one with the hand touching the, the hand seems to be a little bit more uh, poetic, I guess, mysterious okay. to, to open with the ending. Uh, the movie, original movie version, where it um, it's cutting to her with, with a butcher knife is more of a uh, scary movie ending. Mm -hmm. And where this one is just well, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, well, I, I told you what I'm hoping for. I'm not gonna get it. But yeah, all hope is gone. Ending, really. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, what else is gonna uh, become of it. Like, I, is there gonna be? You can't There's go gonna to be a prequel. Okay, a prequel. Yeah, yeah, that's what the directors said. They said if the uh, the directors in the studio said last week that if the movie is successful, that they are going to do a prequel about that. Uh, World War II soldier that was the first one to be resurrected in the 1940s. All right. Well, whatever. You can go back and do a, do a Native American prequel, right? Yeah, that's the one I do with Blair Witch, but they never did it. Um, I think I like the Butcher. Butcher Knife one. The original movie. I'm the original movie be, with the Butcher Knife? Yeah, okay. I'm trying to be biased with it. I, I think I, that's just um, it, it's, it, it's more it's, it's open enough. It's not, okay. That's what it is. I'll say that. It's a jar. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Ed, same question for you, man. Which out of the out of the three endings do you like the most? Well, I'm gonna have to say, of it's like picking the best way to die. Nice. <laughs> Seriously, because the but I like the ending of this remake better, simply because it is so incredibly creepy and so hard to watch these three basically zombified versions of themselves come up to this two-year-old boy locked in a car and you're to assume whatever you want but it's it's just so much harder to watch which is one of the beauties of filmmaking uh so yeah i'm picking that one of the three Okay. All right. So then let's go to our popcorn ratings. Ed, we always go with you first. 
What will be your popcorn rating for Pet Cemetery 2019? I'm going to give this movie a medium bag. Um, John Lithgow, great. Um, the guy who played uh, the lead role—I forget his name off the top of my head—but um, he was—he was really good. He was—he was very, very good, very convincing. Um, and the girl, the girl was incredible. The little girl did a fantastic job, and I—I I look very forward to how her career progresses because I think she's actually probably, based upon this performance, going to be something really good um, in her future uh, as an actress. Um, but I mean, it wasn't the greatest. Movie. It wasn't the greatest movie. There's tons of flaws with it, it, and it's just it's it's so hard to watch as an adult watching what they do to these kids. It's just hard, and and for that, for that, it gets it it gets a medium back. All right, Eric, what will be your popcorn rating for Pet Cemetery 2019? I'm going to be a stickler about it and just say small bag because it's a remake, and um, though they stuck with it. And there are scary parts in it. The scary parts were all the jump scares, uh, audio cues, and um, things of that nature. Uh, or uh, they had a lot of the, the creepy stuff that was uh, was in it, but it it was lackluster with the acting. Um, it seemed like uh, John Lithgow could have uh, was limited in his role, as albeit good as he was in it. Um, Amy. Whoops, Amy Samez. Excuse me, who played Rachel? Uh, seemed to be the only one who uh, was really committed. Everyone, well, maybe it's just the acting style. Uh, but that—that's what—that's what it is. Okay. All right. Well, um, I struggled with this. Um, I listened to the audio book for the whole week preparing for this. I watched the original movie and I saw this in theaters twice. And. Um, I struggled. I didn't know what to do with it. This was a very hard one for me to rate. Uh, but Pet Cemetery 2019 for me is going to get a large bag. This is a very, very good film. I don't know. I do not agree with you, Eric, uh, that there's not good acting. I think what makes this movie so special compared to the original is that there actually is good acting because in the original movie, they were just terrible, fucking god awful parents. And in this movie, you actually felt the dad's pain for having to do the choices that he did in the film film um i thought that the kids were just spot on great there's not much you could do with a two-year-old but ellie was good she knew the role she knew what she was doing and she had fun in the role i feel and john lifgow was just a perfect judd um i was really happy with the film after the second time i saw it the first time was more of a shocker because what pissed me off was the ending i was like well this is gonna get an old bag that's a terrible ending that's not what i want but after watching it again it makes sense for this movie because you have to do something different you can't have Jason pop out of the water at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? You just yeah. can't redo it. Yeah. So um, I think it's a large bag. I think it's very good. I think it's very, very good. Uh, so anyway, next week we are going to be uh, doing something for you guys. We are not going to be doing a double feature. It is on our schedule. We were supposed to do Hellboy and Shazam, but we all decided as a group that we're just going to give you Shazam. That'll just be a fun movie for us to watch. Uh, maybe one of us will check out Hellboy ourselves and maybe write a review about it. But uh, Shazam itself, uh, we're, we, next week we will be reviewing Shazam. And then the week after that, the last review of the month will be Avengers Endgame. So we're getting very close to that movie, just a few more weeks away. 
So thank everybody for listening. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget this Sunday, upcoming Sunday, uh, Game, of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, Eric and I will be doing a review. Um, we're going to try to do it live for you that night. And I, we will announce it if we're if we're able to do it. Um, we're going to try to do it. Um, we've known that we've had some technical difficulties here, uh, but we're going to try to overcome them. We're going to try to overcome them. I do apologize, but look for that uh, immediately following, hopefully, the airing of Game of Thrones uh, this Sunday, if not probably probably within a couple of days, shortly thereafter. Well, thank you so I, much, everybody. For oh, please go ahead, Eric. No, no, no. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, it's going to be a holiday, so it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones Day, right? Oh, winter, oh, yeah. winter's here. Winter's are, here. Yeah, it's it, it's come. It's here. Yeah, winter's here. All it's, for it's the past here. ten years, it's been winter's coming, and now it's finally here. So, well, I mean, the same with Thanos, right? Yep. Right. Right. But Thanos is better. Thanos so, is coming. Okay. <laughs> All right. Make sure to check us out at movieguyspodcast.com, movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. On Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, just search for Movie Guys Podcast. Also, download episodes on iTunes and iHeartRadio and on Spotify. Just search for Movie Guys Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Pet Cemetery. And next week, we'll be coming back for Shazam. Have a good night.